My brothers and sisters, I don't know why it's so difficult to find devotion towards the well-being of others within our postmodern society. I don't know why it's so hard to find devotion towards others within our reality. If you evaluate our civilization, you will see quickly that we understand the concept of devotion. We know how to be committed and loyal. I mean, look at how devoted we are towards racism and bigotry. Look at how devoted we are towards hate and oppression. Look at how devoted we are towards classism and sexism. You see, we can be committed and we can be loyal towards things that oppress other people, but we struggle with being devoted and committed and loyal to ensuring the well-being of other individuals. As a black man, I can testify that this, this nation, this, this, this postmodern reality that we live in, is clearly devoted towards self-gratification rather than the well-being of other individuals. We're devoted towards self-preservation and the feeding of our own personal egos rather than making sure that the people who are other human beings within our society are taken care of. We struggle with devotion towards others. And it's so heartbreaking because I realized something in my early adulthood. I am a person who desires devotion. I have an appetite for devotion. I long, I thirst for devotion. And I live in a world that's not devoted towards me. This has been tough for, for me to grapple with uh, because I need devotion in order to make it. It is a principle that is important in my, I don't know if any of you are like me, but it's very important for me to have devotion. In all of my interpersonal relationships, I desire devotion. It does not matter if it's family, friends, or romantic partner. I desire devotion. It is a vital principle in order for me to feel secure in a relationship. And you know what's so disheartening? I don't know if you've ever been in this spot before, but what's disheartening is, is when you can be devoted towards something or someone, and that something or someone is not devoted towards you. That is one of the most infuriating spaces that you, that you can find yourself in to know that you're giving your devotion towards someone and they have decided not to match your energy. It can make you mad and sad at the same time. I've discovered this very sobering truth is that sometimes people lack the capacity. Sometimes people lack the will to give us a devotion that's necessary for us to feel secure in relationships. And so my brothers and sisters, I decided to lean on a principle that my family taught me because society let me down and because people have let me down. I decided to lean on this principle that they gave me. They said when you need something or when you want something in this life, you better try God. And so I tried God. And can I tell you when I tried God, God gave me the best devotion that I could ever experience. I believe 
I believe that God has the best devotion for us because it is consistent. It meets us every morning. It is inclusive. It's for those of us who are just and unjust. And here is the icing on the cake. It is also tangible. Can I tell you that you can feel God's devotion? It's not just lip service, but it's something that you feel. And can I tell you, you can feel it through the avenue, through the channels of care and cover. Now, our detractors would probably suggest that God is an objective observer who is too busy running the universe to care about daily devotion towards us. While I agree with their sentiments that God is conducting and composing this cosmic force that we live in, I disagree with the notion that seems to limit the capabilities of our Creator. You see, I believe that God has the scope and the range not just to keep the universe in the right tone and tenor, but to still have divine daily devotion towards us, even so much so to where He knows the numbers of hairs on our head. My brothers and sisters, I believe that God has the freedom and the power and the capability to not only take care of the world, but to take care of us individually. I believe that God is devoted towards us and that devotion is felt again through the channels of care and cover. Now, this, this concept of care and cover, which is humanity's tangible evidence of God's devotion towards us, is not understood unless we embrace the freedom and range of God. This is why I appreciate the Gospel of Matthew, because it shows the freedom and the range of God as it depicts Jesus as a physical manifestation of the divine presence. And within that picture that this gospel paints, we see a God who is willing to care for us and who's willing to cover us. This is particularly found in chapter 12, verses 1 through 8. What happens in chapter 12, verse 1? We quickly discover that if you are a follower of Jesus, you can find yourself in spaces where you will receive care. Look at how the text opens up. It says, at the time, Jesus went through the grain fields on the Sabbath and his disciples were hungry and they began to pluck heads of grain to eat. Now, in my opinion, this is Jesus showing his followers that he's devoted towards them because he puts them in a space where they can receive care. And you might be wondering, how is this care? Well, you have to understand the context and the connotation. The context is, is that chapter 12, verse 1, is connected to Matthew 11. In Matthew 11, Jesus hosts an impromptu church service, which he ends by opening the doors of the church and telling all of us who are weary to come unto him, because his yoke is easy and his burden is light. And after the church service is over, Jesus takes them to a place where they can receive a meal while they're hungry. Now that looks like care to me because I believe that the connotation of care or my connotation of care is that when one is put in a place where they receive provision as necessary in order for them to keep their health, wealth, and maintenance. And so what Jesus does is that he puts them in a space where they receive the necessary sustenance in order for them to keep going. My brothers and sisters, that is care. And I believe that this is a microcosm of what God does for us on a daily basis. I believe that God cares for us and God puts us in spaces where we receive the provision that's necessary for us to keep going.
going. My brothers and sisters, I believe that God cares for us. And I might seem like a tone deaf statement to you. I mean, after all, consider all of the losses that we've experienced. All of the suffering that we've endured and all of the pain that we've encountered. I mean, how can I dare say that God cares for us? I mean, after all, the tears have drowned our eyes and the suffering has suffocated our existence. And it seems as if we're living in this time warp where we're trapped by our trials and tribulations. How can I say that God cares for us? I mean, after all, the air is thick and the pain is heavy and the suffering is real. How can I dare say that God cares for us? Well, my brothers and sisters, I'm speaking from my experience. Womanist theologian by the name of Jacqueline Grant says that our best understanding of God comes from our experience. Brothers and sisters, I'm speaking from my experience. Because every time in the past where I found myself where I was pressed up against the wall and I was surrounded by pain, God has given me the space that is necessary to find a provision in order for me to keep going. This is how I know God cares for us. All of us that are listening to this video, all of us that are a part of this conversation, we can testify that God has given us the provision that's necessary, the sustenance that's necessary to keep going to the next moment. I thank God for the spaces that he's given us to find provision. And it does not matter if that space is at the altar or at the therapist's office. It does not matter if that space comes from the preacher or if it comes from a counselor. Wherever that space is, God gives us that space. And can I tell you, he gives us that space because he cares for us. Moreover, Matthew 12 and 2 shows us that God's care does not alleviate us or exempt us from the perspective of conflict. Look at what happens in verse 2. The Pharisees come to Jesus and they bring a verbal attack to Jesus because of the care he's provided. You see, they question Jesus because he has allowed his disciples to pluck food and eat on the Sabbath. The Sabbath is supposed to be a day of rest, a day of holiness. And it seems as if the disciples have broken the religious law. So they bring an attack to Jesus. This reminds me that although you can be blessed by God's care, that does not mean that everybody will celebrate your blessings. This reminds me that although you can be blessed with God's care, that sometimes people are not comfortable with how and when God blesses you. But watch what happens in the story. The disciples are faced with conflict, but they are covered. They are covered. Covered in the context that they receive concealment and protection from the exposure of the conflict brought by the Pharisees in verse 2. Now that begs the question, who does the covering and what are they covered with? My brothers and sisters, I read Matthew 12, 3 through 8. I read it backwards and forward forwards and backwards, and I discovered that the disciples never say anything to defend themselves. But they do have a defense. If you look at the text, they don't say a word, but Jesus speaks for them. Jesus fights their battles. Jesus handles their conflict. 
And then I notice how Jesus does this. Jesus covers them with mercy. Watch what he does. He quotes two biblical references to show the importance of mercy. Mercy, which is the outward expression of love. He quotes 1 Samuel 21, 1 through 6. Then he quotes Hosea 6 and 6. He shows us how David needed mercy and how God stresses the importance of mercy. My brothers and sisters, I want you to understand something, that I am so grateful that Jesus steps in and covers us with mercy. Father of liberation theology, Dr. James Cone, once said that our survival and liberation depends upon our recognition of the truth. And my brothers and sisters, can I share this truth with you? Can I liberate everybody who's within this conversation? None of us have made it thus far because we could cover ourselves. None of us have made it this far in life because we had our because we were wise or smarter than somebody else. We have made it because Jesus has stepped in and covered us with the outward expression of love. Jesus has covered us with mercy. I, I'm thankful. I'm thankful that Jesus has covered us with mercy. That is my liberating hope. That is my liberating fuel that keeps me going each day. Because can I be honest with you? I fall short of the glory of God. Can I be honest with you? I don't always keep the religious law. Can I be honest with you? I don't always walk holy. I don't know if any of you are like me. But here is our liberation. We are covered by mercy. This is why the older people in the church that I grew up in would get up and stand up and say, Lord, have mercy upon us. Because they knew that we needed God's outward expression of love because clearly we would fall short of God's glory. But thanks be to God for mercy. And so you might be wondering, why is it so important that Jesus does the covering? Well, within the text, Jesus tells us why it's important that he does the covering. You see, Jesus says, I am greater than the temple. Jesus says that he is the Lord of the Sabbath. It lets me know a couple of things about Jesus. It lets me know that he's bigger than the space that we've carved out for God. You see, the temple was not just a place of, of celebration and worship. It wasn't just a place where they came together and read scriptures and had church service, but the temple was a space where they believed heaven and earth met. And my brothers and sisters, Jesus is letting the people who are reading this story and who are hearing his words to understand that he's bigger than the space that has been carved out for God. Oh my goodness, what an amazing truth. Then Jesus says, I am the Lord of the Sabbath. This lets me know that Jesus is the Lord of what is holy. Because the Sabbath is not just a day of rest, but it's a day of holiness. And Jesus says, I control what is holy. I dictate what is right. I control what is righteous. And in this moment, mercy is more important than the religious law. Thanks be to God that I have someone on my side who is greater than the temple. Thanks be to God 
that we have somebody on our side who is the Lord of the Sabbath. Now, Jesus self-identifies as someone who's greater than the temple and who is the Lord of the Sabbath. My grandmother said that he's a bridge over troubled water. My mother said that he's a cure for cancer. My daddy said he's a mind regulator. My granddaddy said he's shelter in the time of storm. I like to say he's the best thing that's ever happened to me. Can I tell you why Jesus is the best thing that's ever happened to me? Because he is the outward expression of God's love. That he is tangible proof that God is devoted towards my humanity. You see, Jesus came down here. He lived and walked around this earth. But for you and for me, Jesus died. And not only did Jesus die, but the story says on the third day, he got up with all power in his hands. And the old folks say it like this, because he lives, I can face tomorrow. Because he lives, all of our fears are gone. Because Jesus lives, we can face tomorrow. Jesus is proof that God he is devoted towards us.